0: All right. Well, good morning. morning. So good to see every one of you here again. And it's not that bad, is it, outside? And for those of you who are joining us by Zoom, welcome. I am so thrilled that you're here with us today. And um, we're going to do a bit of a contemplative sort of sermon today. And uh, if you haven't done anything like that in the past, this will be um, this will be new, but it will be uh, an experience. So uh, <clears throat> We're going to look at a particular passage this morning. We're going to continue in the book of Mark, and uh, we got a couple more in that. And then we're going to be starting into the Hebrew Scriptures, or sometimes called the Old Testament. Um, and so if you have a suggestion of a particular book you would like us to explore... You can put it in the chat. If you're on Zoom, um, you can let me know if there's something that stands out to you and whatever book uh, sort of emerges from the whole group here. Uh, We'll dive into it and then talk about that section. So I'm not particularly concerned in what order in terms of the sections uh, from the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, So, but this morning what I want to talk about is, and the title of today's talk is, you are not far from the kingdom. You are not far... From the kingdom. And this is something that Jesus says to a particular teacher, uh, a religious teacher who had come to him to ask him a question. And this comes on the heels of uh, render unto, unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. If you were here a few weeks ago, you remember me talking about that and also um, following that, immediately after that test. And this is between the Pharisees and Herodians. So the sort of conservative group and then the more liberal group. And, um, and then there's now uh, another group that comes to him and it's the Sadducees. And the Sadducees are also somewhat theologically more liberal than the Pharisees were. And they asked Jesus uh, a test question about the resurrection. Uh, Pharisees believed in a literal resurrection and the Sadducees did not. And so they pose a question to trap him. Well, this teacher of the law Hears that Jesus has answered both groups very, very well. And he comes and he poses a question to Jesus. And uh, this is in Mark chapter 12. And what I love about how Jesus responds to this man, this man answers well. And Jesus says, You, sir, are not far from the kingdom. I love how generous jesus is towards this man he's been pretty no he's been pretty hard on the other dudes that have come to him because these other guys are not really interested in the truth or interested in growth or interested in in doing the right thing they're interested in keeping their system their religious system alive they are servants of the system and when you're a servant of the system you're actually employed by the system and therefore you're compromised by The system and these dudes were compromised. The only thing they cared about was their job, their position, their status. And this teacher is different. This teacher comes to Jesus and somehow he has been moved by this interaction. His eyes have been opened. You've all known this moment of having this aha that has happened to you. And he's having one of those. And he comes to Jesus and says hey, I have a question for you. And he answers and has this dialogue with Jesus, and he answers Jesus so well that Jesus says, you, sir, are not far from the kingdom. Like, how generous, if he sees just a slight turn of someone aiming their life in the direction of truth, in the direction of more awareness of growth, if you take one small step, Jesus celebrates that and says, you're not far, you are close. You are close. I love that about Jesus. When Mark 12... Let me go there. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to look at the... um, Sorry, as my app refreshes itself here. So Mark chapter 12, verse uh, 24, um, oh, actually, excuse me, not 24, verse 28, one of the teachers of the law, so this is Mark 12, 28, if you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, um, you could follow along. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had giving, given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is most important? And Jesus responds, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's not the command, by the way. That's the Shema, and we'll come back to that in a moment. The hero Israel. But then here's the commandment that Jesus responds with. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and that there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important then burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And then, and from then, no one dared ask him any more questions. (laughs) All right, so let's begin with the right at the top. Jesus answers, We're we're gonna combine Jesus's response. Okay, so Jesus is a rabbi a master teacher uh, would have done what every rabbi and master teachers in the ancient world did. They would answer a question, but they would answer the question not complete or not thoroughly because what they were trying to do was to see if you would add to that. It was a conversation that has remained in the tradition of, uh, uh, of uh, the Jewish faith uh, for millennia. They've always had this tradition. It's I give a little bit, then you give, then I give, then we, and we go back and forth. Uh, it's the wrestling, it's the it's the dialogue, it's the debating. and so this is the form of which was expected to, to, to be in a conversation between a teacher and someone who was coming to him, even other teachers of the law who would come and have these debates with him. And so this was this is very very common. So Jesus answers, but he answers only in so much as to give him a little bit and then this gentleman takes it further and much further. And that's why Jesus has this response. Because what he says is he repeats that, yes, the Shema. The Shema is is taken from Deuteronomy, where it's the hero Israel. Shema literally means to listen, to hear, but to hear with the intention of actually doing something about it. That's what Shema means. So hero Israel, the Lord your God, is one. And the uh, the, 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 uh, the teacher of the law responds and says, yes, that's right. There is only one God. So he affirms that. So what I want to do is take it section by section. One God, and then the love of the Lord your God with mind, heart, and will or strength. And then uh, we'll finish with the the sacrifice piece because this is the piece that the teacher takes way further than anybody else is willing to take it. Um, And so, first of all, the Lord is one, right? This is where Universalists and Jehovah's Witnesses and others who do not believe in the Trinity would use that scripture and say, there, there you go, God is one, right? There is not a multiplicity of gods, is one God. Um, and some have used that, of course, to be divisive, like there's the, there's the true God and then there's all the other ones that you're worshiping. But there's an affirmation here that's greater than that. And it's greater than that within the context and the flow of thought that's happening here. What is that? Well, the greater message here, the Lord your God is one. The word one in Deuteronomy, the way it is used, and there are different words in Hebrew for, if you wanted to say there's only one thing. The one, the word that is used in Hebrew, in, uh, in Deuteronomy is the word ihad in Hebrew, which is one, but more oftentimes used as unity, the coming of together of things. So we'll give you, give you the example. In uh, Genesis, where God creates uh, the, the, you know, the humans, the Adam and Eve, and he says, and he brings them together and they became one. The word in Hebrew there is ahad. They became one. They became together, unified. And so that concept of coming together, of unity, is consistent in the Hebrew Scriptures and also in the New Testament. There's this multiplicity that is coming together and becoming one. Now, here's why this is interesting, because he sets this up. And then immediately after that, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, will, all of this, meaning that there's a multiplicity within us. And yet there's also a unity. So this is where it's, it becomes very interesting. It's not like God, Jesus is playing this game of like, you know, one and the many. This is a concept that the Greeks understood and 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 loved was this con- concept of the many and the one. This is where Paul gets his many and the one. Uh, and so what's happening here is there's a movement from, yes, God is one. God is one as in the sense of unity. And we uh, as individuals also have this, these different parts of us that are not always function in unity. And this is the reason why the commandment to love the Lord your God with your heart, that the teacher then says, the heart, the mind, and the will We have three centers, our rational mind, our emotional mind, and we also have the willpower or the physical or the, you know, the the sort of gut intuition about things. It's all of that is in there. And there are different parts of us. And depending upon the day, sometimes we lean heavily on one or lean heavily on the other. Are you with me? And sometimes we reject the heart because we've been hurt so many times. And the commandment here is to love the Lord your God with all of it. Why? Because when all of it is together in unity, then we start to look like God and we also experience God in a more profound way within our lives. So let's break this down a little bit more. To love the Lord your God with your head. First of all, let's do this. As I said, we're going to do this as a a contemplation. So I want to get us beyond just our own thoughts about things and get into the experience of things. So first of all, let's begin with the Shema something that was repeated over and over again in ancient Israel and something that was loved. And so, take a deep breath. And I want you to reflect on the words here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. I want you to hear that word, one, deep inside you. And feel what that might feel like, that sense of oneness, of unity, of wholeness. As you breathe in and breathe out, that word, one, that verse resonate within you. just sitting here in the midst of beautiful trees outside with the wind blowing. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Good. So now as we continue, if you think about this concept of the Lord our God is one, it also means and would mean to the Apostle Paul that there is only one God, meaning that all of creation belongs to God. All people are part of this family of God, that there are no outsiders, and we are not to treat people as outsiders. Jesus said, love your enemies, the Romans, love them, meaning you cannot see them as your enemy if you love them. You can't treat them that way, and that's very important given our day day where there's a whole lot of seeing people as being over here on this side of things rather than affirming the truth that our father is one our God is one which is the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray our father our father not my father our father together 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 we belong to the family of God Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Well, I'm a head center type person. So for me, I like to think about things related to God, to theology. I love it, always have. It's been, it's been something that's been uh, natural and comfortable for me and very inspiring in moments of real depth for me in my head as I reflect on God. But in that space, God becomes the object, and I'm the subject. I'm studying God. I did that in seminary for three years. I studied God. God was under the microscope, and I was the observer of God. I was the observer of all of these things, and it was wonderful. But I remember a moment where Patty said to me, you are becoming an absolute bleep because I had been so in my head and so arrogant as I looked down at all things from the perspective of, I know because I know, and I'm smart, and I have all this education. And this is the reason why you cannot just love God from your head. You also have to love God from your heart. See, loving God from the head is God is the object, and I'm the subject. But when you enter into loving God from your heart, there's something that shifts in that place. Because when you open up your heart and you begin to experience both loving God from a place of affection, but also receiving love, what happens to you in your relationship to God in that moment? How many of you have ever said, I feel really far from God? How many have ever felt that deep inside your soul, feel really far from God, really far from myself, right? That's the heart speaking because the heart looks for connection It looks for relationship, it looks for the interaction, the spatial proximity between me and the other. And this is the heart center. And so when we love God from our emotional center, we become not only the one looking at God, but we find God looking back at us. That's the relational dynamic of the heart center. And it's beautiful. And that's the place where once you've tasted of that, you realize, I don't want to just love God from my head. I want to love God and experience being loved by God from the heart. And then it moves to the third, and the third is to love, your God, love the Lord your God with your strength. This is with your body, this is with your energy, this is with action. This is where you completely shift from being the one looking at God, and this is the one in which God is looking at you. Now you're the one saying, what is the right thing for me to do right now, even if it feels uncomfortable? That's the position of surrender. That's a place of submission. And it's a hard place to be sometimes. To love the Lord your God with all of your will, with the right kind of action. This is the reason why on the heels of that, it follows with, And the second is like unto it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. When you begin with the Shema, there is only one God. And all people belong to God. Whether they know it or not, they all do. Then that person is my sibling. And I cannot treat them as my enemy. I must love them as I love myself. And this is where the teacher pushes it further than it's ever been pushed before during his time, which he says that's even more important than sacrifices or burnt offerings. That was big. You don't know how huge that was. For him to say that's more important than that was for him to say the whole system of faith is completely second to loving a person. That would be like saying... In a mega church, like imagine one of you standing up at the, you know, getting up on stage at a megachurch, grabbing the microphone and saying, you know, folks, if there's a Sunday and your neighbor is struggling because they have no one to help them move. And in your heart, you know that this is the right thing to do, but you got to go to church skip church and help your neighbor. And if you were planning to give a certain amount of money to the church, but you realize you only have this amount of money and someone near you is hurting and desperate and stuck financially, and you are torn in that moment, do not give to this church, but give to that person. What do you think would happen? <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm a pastor of a church. It matters to me that you give to this church. <laughs> but but this, is, this is what it is. This is at the level, and even more so, he is, he is saying essentially the entire system, see, this whole thing of sacrifices and burnt offerings, that's a, short, that's a short way of saying the Jewish faith. So he is saying to love God and love neighbor is more important Than your religion, than your faith system. Why? Because our religion is the system, it's the container. But what matters more than the container is what's inside the container. It's inside, it's what's happening, what are you doing, what's the experience you're having, how are you loving, how are you experiencing God. And this is what matters more than anything else. And that's how. This teacher of the law finishes, which is why he says it is better, or that to to this young, to this uh, teacher of the law, that you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. And so, with that, what I'd like us to do as we partake in communion, which is really cool that we're going to get to do the Eucharist, the Lord's table outside. Isn't that great? You've got everything happening. We've got the landscape, nature, all of that uh, happening at the same time that we are now physically even consuming the body and the blood of Jesus. So as we do this, I want to guide us in a practice that will be through the head, heart, and body experience of loving the Lord our God. Um, And uh, it's a contemplation as well. And so we're going to do that together uh, through communion. So... I have no idea the order and how we're gonna do this, but we got a box. That'd be great. And uh, for those of you who are with us by Zoom, um if you've got something, cracker, juice, if you have eggs, bacon, anything, <laughs> can use that too. Nice cup of coffee. So I'd like you to imagine um, in this moment as we love the Lord our God with our head. is to begin uh, with thinking about how amazing this space is right now. So if you would close your eyes, if you're on Zoom and uh, you're not outside, you're inside, um, you still can do this. Uh, you can close your eyes and just in this moment, imagine how beautiful this place is and how wonderful it is to be outdoors and to actually reflect on that for a moment, to think about that. Allow your thoughts to take you places. To think about the Lord our God being one and how unity is not just one thing, but it's the coming of things together. How even in science, there is this dynamic between, between things. That they live in this symbiosis, in this relationship. And, and you think about how light, goes through a glass and sometimes reflects off the glass, and scientists are still trying to figure out why it works that way, the amazing way that all things work, and that God is one. And let your thoughts inspire you in this moment and bring you joy as you imagine how incredible all of this is. Now in this moment, see if you can drop to the heart and begin to feel in your emotions your distance between yourself and God. How is that? How is the space between you And God, and it doesn't have to be good. It can be a place of sadness even for you. And that itself is okay. Maybe it's easier for you as you think about your relationship to people. Those you care about. How close do you feel to them? How distant? how distant do you feel from them? And finally, go to your body and see if you can begin to feel your skin even right now as the wind is blowing a little bit gently. If you're inside, you feel the temperature of the room. See if you can even uh, begin to experience those tingles you get sometimes when you feel really good, when there's a moment of inspiration, you hear a song that touches you and, and it feels all kinds of good and your body starts to feel these tingles. Folks, we are spiritual beings and even our body is spiritual and it feels God and so now as we partake in the body and blood of Jesus even though this is a juicy juice box <laughs> and its design is not inspiring it's uh. It's still spiritual. Even the eating and the drinking is a is an act of connecting to God. And it's doesn't have to be not about the food. It's not about the food. It's about no, it is. It is. It is about the food. It is about the juice. Because even in this, this is all a part of God. So as you take this the cracker, the two crackers. I want you to taste and eat this and i want you to do it in a contemplative and meditative way like taste it and really enjoy it like dare yourself to enjoy eating in front of other people some of you, you don't care but let's see let's and uh drink together